Okay, yesterday was Daf Chav Ches, number 28. Today is number Chav Tes, 29. We'll get a, do a review of yesterday's Daf, get to today's. Have a mind, our, uh, our learning Shabbos for the Eloi Neshama of, I don't know his father's father's name, Yitzchak ben Rezel. But, uh, and also for Fushlema, for Baracha Bashashana, um, Amy Basvora, Michal Viva Batyudas, Adas Basronya, um, Tzvito ben Chasha, and all else who need. Amy. Said that. I said okay. that. Okay. And with that, let's begin our review of yesterday's daf. So, starting at the um, um, third line on daf Ches. So, we said that uh, maybe uh, we're learning Gilgul Shul from Sota, but you really can, in a way, maybe uh, that only allows us to do a Gilgul Shul when the original claim or the, the claim for what you want to swear on is a definite claim. I know that you owe me this money. How do you know that even if a claim that I have no real basis to say that you uh, you did any of this, I just want you to swear anyway, you, out of doubt. Um, how do you extend it to that? And now we saw Reb Shemmei says that uh, since the two shvuas are learned from one from another, there's a shvuah that's outside the Beis Magdash, a shvuah that's in the Beis Magdash. Shvuah in the Beis Magdash is a shvuah that is really only suffix, because the shvuah, the whole thing of a sota is a case of suffix. We don't know real information, it's just a suspicion. And yet, the suffix is kibadai, so two shvuah by the chutz, that's the shvuah that we're talking about in monetary claims, suffix is kibadai, and you can have the person swear even on something where you don't really have any basis of claim. Okay, so then the Gemara asks, how far does Gilgul shvuah go? So if you said the name of Rav, even if you say, I want you to swear that you're not my slave. So the Gemara says, that's actually claiming that he is an avid Kanani. You're casting aspersion on his yichus, on his uh, lineage. It's a very serious claim. And in fact, it'll be put in Cherem just for claiming it. Okay. Um, as the Bryce says, Kor l'chaber avid benito. If you call your friend a mamzer, so then you get lashes, 40 lashes. If you call him a rasha, so then he has a right to not only hate you, but also to, um, to com- compete in business. He can open ah, a yeah, competition, yeah, 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 yeah. right? You know, whatever, like uh, it's like uh, opening up a, a spite, what's it called? Like a spite store, you know? <laughs> spite. Sounds like people were That's what that is. very it's a, it's educated in not competing. All of somebody calls you a Russian, not always. No, but really. It sounds like in those times people were very careful not to compete against you, you know, not to take your partner. It's an Isser in the Torah. What do you mean? It's not, peop- it's not those days, it's Allah. I mean, was well, it an alaha? Yeah, it's called losasik vulrecha. Maybe then, what's the what's the pasuk? Losasik vulrecha, which means it's called hasagas gvul, you know, encroaching on somebody else's encroaching on the border of somebody else's property. And you can only open if it if there's enough business for both. It's a whole it's halacha thing. You can't just really. Yeah, you can't just open a competition, you know, freely, willy nilly, whatever you want. You know, I'll let it do that. There's some communities require to open a restaurant. You go to a base inn first. Oh, in Mexico, everybody does shmates. But there's enough for everybody. There's enough shmates for everybody. There's, always, there's always two views. There's always a view that uh, business is a zero-sum game. There's always a view that uh, the potential is unlimited. If you have that view that the potential is unlimited, 
You say, go ahead, compete. Right. Well, the the question is, is that are, are you are you fighting with a very small group, and will will one bound? It's not. It's a question of uh, of uh, economics. You know, what's the economics of a place? And that's uh, that's hard to know. There's too many restaurants in this community. <laughs> in all I know is I can well, liquid I liquid liquid. There's 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 you know I don't know, I don't know. There are hundreds of restaurants, hundreds of restaurants, and they're all busy. But that's because it's so packed with people, and they all u- utilize them. So yeah. What's the pasuk slow? Lo sasig gvul reacha. Right, that's we have. That's what I'm saying. Encroach infringement, infringement. See, called infringement in English. Okay, encroachment, encroachment, whatever. It's the same idea. It's the same concept. So, Robert said, "You're right. He can't claim anything about the guy's hijos. That would be very serious. But what we're talking about is where he swore that swore to me that you haven't been sold to me as an evidentiary." So the Gemara says, why wouldn't that be a claim in, unto itself? That's basically a, monet, a regular monetary claim. If the guy, if you say the guy was uh, is was sold to you as a, as a Jewish slave, and the guy is admitting in part, you should have to swear on that. That's a monetary claim. Why shouldn't it be chayev in its own right to swear on? So the answer is, is this is Rav Lishitasu holds that an Evid Ivri also is gufal kanoi, and therefore, just like Enish Banalakar calls. That are and Evidivri is the same as an Epicanadi, he's also purchased an owned slave. So Gemara says, then why is it any different than Karka? The answer is, is that by Karka there's a reasonable it's, 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 it's reasonable to believe, it's not crazy to say that the, there was a sale of, of a land to you that uh, was done on the you know, as quiet as possible because people don't like to publicize that they're selling property. It's not uh, something that you want known. And um, um, and uh, <clears throat> and therefore, if you claim that he sold it to you and he's denying it, you can get him to swear on that because that's like a reasonable claim. But uh, if there is a situation where a guy was sold as an Evid Ivry, that would be public. And if nobody knows about it, so maybe it's such a... Um, Wild claim that maybe you can't even do a Gilgul on that Kamash Malan doesn't matter how rachok how distant the possibility is. If you claiming it, then you know you have a right to. You can't make him swear directly on it, but indirectly through Gilgul Shvua you can make him swear, and that's that. That took us to the next topic, which is Chalipin. So, so the Mishnah says anything that is value for something else, meaning in terms of exchange. So once you um, took one part of it, it automatically, the, the exchange happens. One of them obligate, one of them takes one side, one takes one side, takes hold of that, the other one automatically transfers, which is the king in Chalipin. How so? You exchanging a, a bull for a, for a cow or a donkey for a bull, soon as one of them was taken possession of, the other one is automatically going to the other party. So the question is, what are we talking about here? Are we seemingly talking about money? And um, and that's a chiddush to say that you could use money as chalipin. Um, you think that money only works like money. And normally, if I give you money for to purchase something, 
it still doesn't become mine till I take possession. Um, doesn't exchange with the money. But here we're saying you could exchange with money and it still comes to my possession as long as you're using the money as an exchange instead of as buying with money. So, um, so Rav Yudha says that's not what's going on over here. We're not talking about because it's a big discussion whether money can be used for Khalipin. Really, money cannot be used for Khalipin. We're talking about over here, not Nase Damim, but Nishom which basically means that it's any that it's anything of value that isn't money. Money is the one thing that re, that does not require any valuation to know how much it is. It's a, you know it's a face value, so we know exactly what it is. But everything else, anything worth money, like my cup, you have to first find find out how much it's worth, and then we know that it has value. Okay, so that is what the Kenyan Khalibin is all about. Um, so. Um, Anyway, bottom line is, once one takes one part, the other one is automatically going to transfer. And it makes sense that that's what we're talking about, because it says, Hechlev Shavr It didn't say, um, uh, you know, money, Bishor. It says, Hechlev Shavr So the Gemara is saying, you know, that's such a good raya from the Mishnah. Why did we even think that it meant money? How did we have an initial explanation of the Mishnah to make it make sense? Um... So what, how would, were we reading the Ketzat? So the answer is, is that you're absolutely right. We were originally, originally reading the Mishnah that is talking about two scenarios of things that you could use for Khalifa. Number one, you could use money. And number two, also anything that you can use, even peros as Khalifa. Peros is like things that are not a utensil. They're just like uh, consumables. And they're also useful. And that's what it means. Not shor beparah, but sar shor beparah. Or psar chamor b'shor. So we're talking about it as a food item, even though you know you're not allowed to eat donkey meat, just so you know. But uh, it could be good for dog food or whatnot. Anyway, um, but as soon as one takes one, the other one is it works for chalipin. So the Gemara says that works very well according to Rav Sheshes, who says peros can make chalipin. But Rav Nachman disagrees and says that not money and not peros can be used for chalipin. It has to be. A utensil, okay, an item that's like uh, not a consumable and not money. So what are you going to say then? So um, so the Gemara says. Uh, so the Gemara says you'll have to say that there are sometimes money can have a din chalipin. How so? If you explain exchange the value of a shore for a par or the value of chamor for a shore, so then that would be um, a good. Uh, that would that would work. Now, what are we, what are we doing here? What we're saying is we're using, um, we're taking one of the animals and using it as money. And even though we're using it as money, um, and it's really like a regular purchase, but this is like an exception, and the Kenyan is going to work by the exchange of the money. So in other words, one, once one animal is taken possession of, the other one automatically transfers. Different than money. And basically the idea is, is that really, that money is what makes the Kenyan. As soon as the one guy accepts the money, the other thing automatically belongs to the other party. Um, the reason why we, the rabbis instituted that Mashiach should be Kona is because we're afraid of, the, the, we have a concern of, this, the guy will claim, that, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, but your, your grain that, that you bought with the money that you gave me, it was still sitting in my storehouse, but there was a fire and now it's gone. And I didn't bother to do it because it's sold already. What do I care, right? It's not my problem. Anyway, 
Um, so if it's something that's common, the rabbis um, uh, made that there is something that's a less common exchange, like over here, I'm giving, I'm bartering in a sense, so bartering is a lot less common than, than a cash, cash purchase, so they never made a decrease, and therefore <laughs> the transaction will take place in a regular monetary way. That works very well according to Rabbi Yochanan, who says that. But according to Rish Lakish, who says that actually the real way to acquire any item, an affordable item, is with Meshicha, taking it. So, uh, and that's Mefurish Minatorah, it's not Minam Durabanan, that's not Rabbinic, it's from the Torah. So if you held, like Rav Sheish says, that Paris makes Chalib, and then the Mishnah's talk about Paris, then that works. But if he doesn't hold like Rav Sheishas, he holds like Rav Nachman, and he also holds like that you can't, that, that, that the only way to acquire portable things is with Mashiach, not with money. So then what's, his, what's he going to say? So the answer is, you're right. Obviously, Reish Lakish must hold like Rav Sheishas to make sense of the Mishnah. And that was the bottom line. And that is the review yesterday's stuff. That's where we got up to the Mishnah over here on the bottom of the page. And with that, let's get to...